morning, folks. Good morning. Is there anyone that supported the wrong team last night? Because if you want to, we can stand and pray for you. Yo, you know what? That's how we need to be for the return of the king. Not the shouting, but the anticipation of, Lord, you are coming back. Lord, you are coming back. Have, I think sometimes we've forgotten that he's coming back. Or you'll come back in the future. Joshua Generation Church uh, was birthed out of a, a place of, if you go and read the first verse in Joshua 1, it says, My servant Moses is dead. Get ready. Get ready. Are you ready this morning? And I'm, it's not just a cliche. Are you ready this morning? If, if Jesus arrived here, would you be okay? You know what? I woke up the other day and Israel and Hamas were having an argument. But it made me start to think, Lord, could this be it? But you know what? I would got quite blasé about the fact that the Ukraine had already been in a war for a year. I remember we were up in Nelspreet uh, ministering at the church that I actually started in 1995 when that war started. And I watched it on the TV there and I thought, this is, this is not possible. How can this happen? How can this small little country think that they can take on Russia? And when we are all rooting for Ukraine, and now we've got the exact opposite we got Hamas, which is a small little thing. Yes, they are a terrorist organization, but we've got a country that is actually going all out to, to flatten them. And, and for me, it makes my heart heavy. Yes, I know about the fact that the Jewish people are God's uh, people, but to see people dying like they're dying, is, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't sit well with me. So this morning I want to say to you, and I want you to take this question with you, home, and I want you to have a look at it and examine it and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? I want to say to you this morning, are you ready? Are you ready? Who's ever watched boxing or wrestling? Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you got that anticipation that, that uh, we had with the, with the rugby last night? I've got to start by telling you a little story. When we were still up in the church called City on a Hill, where Quivis and Renee are now going, we used to lead it, and it was called Covenant Life Church in those days. And uh, we had a young couple that got married. She was 20, he was 21, and it was just so beautiful. They just loved each other, and everything looked perfect from the outside. Their little house looked so nice. If you went in there, it was beautiful, and you thought, wow, this is wonderful. And then there was a guy in the church uh, that had been in the church for a long time, but he was a very particular man. Everything had to be in place. Even his children had to put their toys in place. And so he asked them, looking at their outside, he looked at them and he said, Oh, won't you guys look after my house for a week? I'm going away on timeshare. I'll be back at this time, Friday, 12 o'clock. So um, they went in there and 
they were having fun in the house, and they were telling everyone, it's a beautiful house, it's a place that you can have fun, and uh, they got a phone call from the guy on Thursday morning, we'll be home for lunch, so it was a day early, and so they started trying to clean up, but by the time he got there, the house still looked like a bomb had hit it. They were totally caught unawares as to this person arriving at the time that they did. And I want to say to you, don't be caught unawares with the return of Jesus Christ. Really, don't, don't, be, don't be caught unawares. It's, it's, it won't be good. And let's have a look at Matthew 24 and verse 36. It says, but about that day or hour, nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And I have been saved for 40 years. Been married 40 years this year. I got saved just before we got married. But um, I've seen all the different things that have, have gone through the church. And there was a season when they preached on the rapture and going to be with the Lord and stuff. But, but that stuff has been lost. It's almost like people have got... Uh, they've got tired of waiting. And so it says in verse 37, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of man. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing. It's so nice to have a screen at the back there. About what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So, so what was it? If we look at that, it says they were drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. So all those things are happening now. Right. That's the problem. It's all happening now, but we're not ready. And God arrived like that. You know, we're looking for, there was sin, and there was, no, no, just laugh as normal. And then Jesus arrived. Can you imagine, can you imagine, Jesus came and landed on the stage last night. What, would you be terrified? Or will you be excited? I think we all want to be excited, but I think we'll all be terrified. Oh, hey, Jesus, you've come back. But, oh, geez, there's just a few things that I need to put in place. Like, like this young couple when the guy arrived home. Can we just have a chance to do this and do this? The guy said to him, listen, I'm going to have lunch. When I get back, make sure my house is ready. And so they had a, a rush on their hands. So it came unexpectedly and suddenly. So Matthew 24 and verse 42, it says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had come at the known, had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. My mother-in-law asked me to look after their house once. 
It was out on a, like a small holding uh, farm in Dalmos. And so they were getting ready to leave. They were going down to Natal. And they said to me, listen, if you need it, we put the gun in the sock on the top of the cupboard. I was like, whoop First of all, why do I need a gun? That's the scary part. So anyway, we went out where we had to go. We came back that night. We jumped into bed. We went to sleep. And in the middle, or I don't know if it was the middle, and it, wasn't, it felt like the middle of the night. I heard this, like someone walking down the passage. I sat up. I was terrified, I want to tell you. And I don't get scared easily. And I, and I woke Paige. She just sleeps, carries on sleeping. I was, hey, there's someone in the house. So, so I thought, well, let me, let me go and get that gun. So I'm down, because it's, it's in the room across from the room we're in. I'm down on the floor, and I'm leopard crawling. Because I did two years national service. Who else did that? You know what I'm talking about, leopard crawling. We're going on our elbows and our knees, and I'm to the door. I can't see anyone. And as I look up to look down the passage, there's a sign, one of those stickies. You know that like yellow sticky thing you stick on when you want to remind yourself? There's one stuck on the wall, on the door, and it says, we have taken the gun. So I wasn't sure if it was her mother or the guy that was in the house. <laughs> I was terrified. I leopard crawled back around my thing. My kid's cricket bat was there. I grabbed that, and I went, oh. And if you've ever been in a farmhouse at night, all those, it goes creak, creak all over the place. But you know what? I was not ready. If I, if I was trying to be ready, I would have had the gun under my pillow. What's the use of a gun in another room? But we need to be ready because we do not know when the Lord is coming. You know what? I, I can say that a hundred times, but this morning I want you to leave here and I want you to think, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for me to be ready? Because you know what? Who, who believes there is a devil? Some people don't believe there's a devil. They think, ach, no, that's an old wife's tale, old husband's tale. Our biggest challenge is not be ready, but it's the devil saying there's no hurry. There's no hurry. It's not coming back now. It's not coming back in the next 10 years. There's no hurry. That is his biggest weapon. 2 Peter 3, 4, it says on the back screen. <laughs> they will say, where is this country, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget the lo that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water by water. By these waters also the, the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for the fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. I trust none of us fall into that place. That, uh, this is not going to happen. It won't happen in my lifetime. 
You know what? It may happen in your lifetime. It may not. But when you die, are you ready? Not everyone gets an opportunity and takes a long time to die, and they're able to say, okay, Lord, I, for, I ask you for forgiveness, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. Not everyone gets that opportunity. Some, some people, I, I had a friend who was in that church up in uh, Benoni. He did gym. So he was quite a fit guy. And one day while he was doing gym, he fell down and died right there in the gym before they could do anything. I trust that his life was right with God. He was a deacon in the church. Does that mean anything? Hey, all the deacons, does that mean anything? <laughs> Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So 2,000 years is like two days. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He's giving you another opportunity. He's wanting you to get your life right so that when it happens, you die or he comes back, you are ready. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Guys, you know what? Repentance, often we, we understand repentance to just be something that changes in our mind, like pornography. I'm, I'm choosing not to look at pornography anymore. No, it's a change of your lifestyle. I'm choosing not to look at pornography anymore, and when you want to grab that book to open it or, or open up that thing on your screen, I choose not to do it. Your lifestyle has to match your, what happens in your mind. I remember when we first moved uh, down to uh, Joshua Generation from Benoni, um, one of the things that was not high on our list of priorities was accountability. It wasn't. I led the church. Everyone did as I told them. They asked me if they could do it. And so... That's how it worked. I, I, I was the man. And when I got down here, I was put with Russell. They always, if, now I know. If they put you with Russell, you're a problem. They're going to sort you out. So I was put with Russell, and it was about three months of, of being here. And Russell said to us, hey, why don't we go out for lunch? So I thought, hey, yeah, we go. The, oak, the main oak, yeah, he wants to take me out for lunch. It's going to be a good thing. Um, uh, I can be excited about this. Next time Rian asks me out, I'm going to help him. <laughs> so we sit down, and this is the language, guys. If you've been part of Josh Jane for a while, you know this. But if you haven't, this is the language. Russell says to Patty and I, so, do you see anything in my life that needs to change? He says. So, I'm like, hey, if I say anything, I'm going to be in trouble because this oak, he's the oak in charge here. So, I said, no, you and Jenny look like you're really doing well. He says, well, I've got this one thing I want to tell you about you and Patty. <laughs> hey, we only know three months. What are you, what's this all about? 
She says, you know what? The way you and Patty speak to each other is not lacquer. Didn't say lacquer. Russell doesn't use that word. It's not good. He said, you know what? Maybe in Benoni it was okay because the people knew you there. But he said, you knew down here. And these people don't know you. And you're actually offending and causing people to stumble by the way that you talk to each other. And Patty obviously was a lot worse than I was. (laughs) And you know what? Russell and Jenny will tell you, from that day onwards, they never heard that again. They stopped that and changed it. You see, accountability means nothing if you don't change. It means absolutely nothing. Repentance needs adjustment. You need to adjust your life. There needs to be change. How do you know what you need to adjust if you don't have someone speaking into your life? If Russell didn't speak to me, I wouldn't have known. The other, the other day, Rian and Helen said to us, can we go out for lunch with you? I thought, oh, yeah, that's like as long as you pay. Um, whoever asks the other one out, they pay. So anyway, no, that's not true. Uh, so we go out and we, no, 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 no. Right at the end, I can see something's going to happen here. So how do you think we're doing? I said, you could have asked me earlier. There's a lot of stuff we need to talk about here. <laughs> but really, guys, 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by the fire, and the fire and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. This morning, I want want to speak just a little about accountability because I believe we cannot get ready without being accountable. We can't. Because, come on, tell me, who's sinning at the moment and needs me to talk to them? Check, all of you. None of you have got a problem. That's my answer. Because I can guarantee you if I sit down and and look deep into your life, I'm going to find stuff. You're going to find stuff in my life. But if I sit and look, I'm going to find stuff, and yet you think it's okay. But it's not okay. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. This, this word darkness is used of ignorance of divine things, and it is associated with wickedness and the resultant misery in hell. I used to serve on another guy's team, and he said, one day, people in hell are going to point their fingers up to heaven, and they are going to say to their pastors and elders, you did not tell us. You did not tell us that we could not live the way that we were. If we claim to have fellowship, that word fellowship is kunoina. It's it's an intimate word. So I like to remind myself, intimacy means into me you see. 
So you look right into me. Into me you see. With him, and yet you walk in darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth, but we walk as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We cannot walk alone. I'm telling you now, you will never be ready if you attempt to walk alone. You won't. I would have carried on speaking to my wife in the way that I didn't think it was okay. Now, thinking back, I think, wow, that, that actually was bad. But it took somebody speaking into my life for me to see and understand. And actually, the, the way that happened wasn't good. I should have gone to Russell and I should have said to him, so what do you see in my life? Not the way he did it around I should have asked him, how do you see it going with me? I don't know about you guys, when we first came to Cape Town, I find Cape Town the most confusing city I've ever lived in. I've lived in quite a few. Um, the roads don't go the way that they're supposed to. They've like got curves and bends. There's no like grid. I, I want a grid. And so we used to have a map. That was, this was before maps on cell phones. And so I'd take the thing and I'd map it out and I'd ride, we'd ride past the places. I think the most arguments Patty and I had were about going to the wrong places. And you see, if we are not careful when we are driving, we'll lose our way. And these days, one drives... And one navigates. We don't do it on our own anymore, Patty and I. I am a better driver and navigator, but. <laughs> That's not true. I've, she's got to open the map. She's got to start route and all that stuff, and then I can tell her where we're going. But guys, you see, that, that's the deal. And it's not just good enough to be you and your wife. Because you guys will allow yourself to get away from, get a, away with things that you shouldn't. There has to be other people from the outside looking in. And you're thinking this morning, oh, who's this I tell him? I'm telling you, if you want to get ready, you have to make yourself accountable. Not be, people talk about being held accountable. I talk about making yourself accountable. I don't want to run after you and, and find out how you're doing and when you're doing. And when, for instance, on a Sunday, I'm sure Rian gets it. We get reports on who's there, who's not there. And it's not a police file, but it's we want to know what's going on. Is there someone sick? Is there someone... Whatever the case may be, well, so I don't want to have to phone people and follow them up. I want them to phone me and say, listen, we're going to miss this Sunday. We've got this on. Then I don't have to worry. That's making yourself accountable. Being held accountable is Rion or one of his elders or one of his comm leaders having to get hold of you to find out what you did and when you, why you did it. That scripture where it speaks about walking. 
Walking is a metaphor for the way of life. It's not just the way we talk, it's the way we live. So let, let, let me tell you, it's a scary thing if you think everyone's watching you all the time. Who's watching me? Who's watching me? You know what? <clears throat> the Pharisees, what the Pharisees did was they did everything, they spoke everything out. They prayed the right way. They did this the right way. But they lived the wrong way. They were actually dying from the inside out. And we need to not find ourselves in that place either. We cannot be those that, for, for me, that's almost a, a, a form of religious spirit. When, when I see somebody that says, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, and uh, yet they are living a different lifestyle. You cannot hold somebody accountable in areas where you're falling down and you are making mistakes and actually you need help. You need to get yourself to a place where you think, hey, I'm doing okay now, let me... That person comes to you and says, because, you know, no one's going to come to you when you're struggling in an area. I remember with our children. We, we started that church in, in Nelspreet in 1995. So my, uh, my youngest guy was five, seven, nine. Is that right? More or less, eh? So they were all still young. So they went everywhere that we went. And so every person that came to the church, we visited them with our three children. When we went out, we took a blanket, like Andrew speaks about. And our youngest son always wanted the blanket under the coffee table. He wanted to lay under the coffee table. So they would lay there. And, and we did that for two years, three years. We, we had people starting to help us along the way. But they could look and see that we could speak into their life about their children. Just because they saw a lifestyle that was, it was right. That's the way that it should be. I hope you're not here this morning and you don't think that's right. Because you can be wrong if you want to be. But walking in light makes it possible for us to have fellowship. Because we have the, this cleansing that takes, us, takes place, this, this uh, purifying, this continu it's a continuing sense. It's just happening over and over. We, we are being cleansed as we walk in this place of accountability. Because we're walking in the light, and so the, God's light is cleansing us as well. Some people, they blame sin as a disease. Or a weakness, something brought on by my genes. People come to regard sin as their fate, not their fault. Be careful, but there's, there's a quick, and this is not a definite thing. I, I have this quick thing. If, if medication can help and fix, then it's not demonic. If medication, if they take medication and stuff like that, but there's no change then we need to be aware and try and do something. Because I, what, what happened to me was I was, uh, when I was up in the church in Benoni, um, I, I went on a, a, a trip, apostolic trip to Liberia, and I took some medication, uh, uh, larium. It's, a, it's a mosquito 
medication. And because in my family, I had a history of depression and bipolar and all those things. That, most of my family had them. When I took that stuff, it actually kick-started that thing in my life. And so why I'm telling this is we had a guy come in, was on the team as well. We, I said, listen, please come pray for me. I've, I've got a demon. I want to get rid of this thing. Because you know what? Deliverance is a quick way. Yo, psh, yeah, I'm fine now. Let's go again. I'm ready. And so this guy came and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And I'm not joking. Him and his wife and Patty prayed. It was at least three hours and it was a hot day and they were sweating and nothing happened. So he said to me, I think you must just take your medicine. And he was in Ronald Bonker's deliverance team. So it wasn't as though he was a beginner. So sometimes it can, sin is never disease. But sometimes we need medication to help us, especially in a ment mentally challenged place. When people blame, when they blame sin on a disease or a weakness or something brought on by their genes, they deceive themselves. They really do. So why must I be accountable? Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So I'm going to go through these things quickly. You know why? We are so good at self-justification. My wife's driving down the road in her, in her car, and the car's got quite a few blind spots. It's just the way the car's made. And so we uh, nearly helped some people into the pavement on this side, and we nearly helped some people onto the barrier on this side, because the mirrors don't care, cover that whole area. So she's got blind spots. And those blind spots we take care of for one another. So she'll say to me, is there a car next to us? And I'll look. Or is there a car on this side? And I'll look. And so that's what accountability is. We, and, and the problem is if you change lanes without looking, you don't only cause yourself to crash, you cause those around you to crash. I find that even worse. It's not even our, it, we don't even know. And if we had a look in the back, there would be cars all over the place because of not being aware of what's going on around us. Accountability leads to maturity. Maturity, we have infancy. Everybody lives to benefit me. Have you seen it? Who's got a baby here? New baby. Yo, you act so. You watch when when there's a baby in the house, when they go, eh, everyone's onto the baby, change the nappy, feed the bottle, do everything. And that's what baby Christians are like. When anything happens, they're like, hey! Adolescent, we, if you invite me for dinner, then I will invite you for dinner. Or dad, if you pay me, I'll wash your car. That's how it works. Adult, when we become adults, we live to benefit others. That's when we mature. We cannot rely on our own strength, but we need people around us who can pray and encourage us. 
Okay, carrying on. God will make it known sooner or later. I'm talking about accountability. Whatever you're trying to hide, it's going to come out. Accountability brings us into closer fellowship. Accountability is the way to forgiveness. When must I be accountable? All the time. We're in a constant battle. We need to be in a place of accountability all the time. So if you're not, I want to encourage you today to, to find yourself moving towards accountability. Who should I be accountable to? God, Psalm 139.23. Leaders, friends, Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Each other, Ephesians 5.21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Every, every word you get, just process it and pray in the word and take it to your leaders as well. How do I go about it? Make it part of your lifestyle. Don't wait for something to happen and then go to somebody else. Go to somebody, pick two or three people and go to make sure that one of them is a leader at least and go to them on a regular basis and say, what do you see in my life that I need to change? What is holding me back from what God has for me? When were you last audited? When did you last have somebody sit you down and say, okay, we're going to talk about where you guys are at? Most couples, when you sit them down, they start fighting immediately. Like, rah, 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 rah. what am I going to do about it? Where will I be tomorrow, next week, if I do not adjust to this? Am I walking in everything God has for me? Folks, I want, I want to say to you this morning that accountability is one of the primary ways that God will get you ready for the return of Jesus Christ. It's not to catch you out. It's to help you to walk in the light with one another and with God. Don't you want that? When you've been in leadership for any period of time, that's one of the cries of your heart, that you, people would walk in light with you and not talk about you. Because people have this thing of talking, gossip, instead of making, account, making themselves accountable. I often, when, when you do marriage counseling, the husband will start to tell you everything that's wrong with his wife. And normally none of it is. But the, the husband will start to tell you, accountability means you tell me about yourself. Where are you failing? Not where is your wife failing? Where are you failing? And that's often why when we do marriage counseling, we start off by having the men and women separate so that they actually can't do the blaming thing, that they, we can deal with them and the things that God needs to deal with them.